0: So for those of you who are taking notes, my title for today is It's Personal. I was going to give you all a subtitle, but I took it out, so y'all just go with It's Personal. (laughs) And if you need to write one in yourself, then you go right ahead and do it. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right on in here. We see in the first chapter of Jonah that this narrative is comprised of three main characters and a raging sea. First and foremost, we have the person of God, and they called him Yahweh in the Old Testament. Then we have a man by the name of Jonah and a collective bunch of people that we refer to in the text as sailors. Each would play a critical role in the salvation of an undeserving nation and the blessing of a wicked, merciless, cruel, and sinister group of people. Didn't you just, didn't you just say somebody killed 10 people? And and, and we don't have to go too far from home because I hear that Baltimore is off the chain. Jonah by itself is a beautiful story with main characters, key actors, intrigue, intensity, and cliffhangers. It's like a book that you can't put down. It's, It's a page turner for any first time reader who wants to know what is going to happen next. It will keep you on the edge of your seat with all of its oohs and ahs and its twists and turns. Let me tell you, if this period of time, which is B.C. or before Christ, had an Academy Award Council attached to it, the most prestigious award for the best performance in the category of power, determination, and sovereignty will go to none other than the Lord God Almighty for his role in the hit drama we know today as Jonah. This award would be his reward for artistic ability and technical merit. The runner up for the best supporting role goes to Stormy. Now I done named the sea. They didn't say that in the Bible, but I done named them Stormy. The Raging Sea for its ability to turn on a dime at the hand and the command of God. Now, we certainly can't leave out the biographical sketch of the man whose name adorns the book. Jonah doesn't have a sequel, but at the end of its pages, it leaves you hanging. It's not an autobiography, and we cannot adequately or definitively tell you who wrote the book. But we all know the story of Jonah, don't we? I'm not adding anything to it or telling you anything new. But what I will say is that Jonah hits close to home. Let me tell you how so. This is how I relate to Jonah. Jonah was a minister. Jonah was a preacher. Jonah was a prophet. But let me tell you what I relate to the most. I relate to the fact that Jonah, the son of Aminti, was a runner. In other words, for any of my cartoon fans, you all know I love cartoons. I'm probably the only adult in here that really loves cartoons. But for my cartoon, I'm not, I'm not. I'm all right. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of y'all, huh? Okay, we missed those Saturday morning cartoons, don't we? So for all of my cartoon fans, he went pew. Because y'all know that's what they do in the cartoons, right? In another era of time, he went Splitsville. Well, like the little kid said, he went, he disappeared. And like my uh, co-worker, my co-laborer in the ministry, Reverend Ronnie says, he went bookity, bookity elsewhere. <laughs> but what I want you all to see, and the Bible is very clear, I need you all to get this, is that with his call and all, Jonah still ran from God, right? And that's for all of y'all who think ministry is easy and that it doesn't come without a fight. Okay, I can see Jonah now. I can see him with his new edition 755 BC sandals, a cloak for good measure, and a partial meal on his way to the other side, the dark side, the the, the wrong side of obedience. We are just three verses in and see Jonah running away from God already rather than running towards his assignment. We didn't even get past once upon a time good before Jonah was asleep on the ship. You may ask why that resonates with me, and the short of it all is that I too know what it's like to run away from God. Somewhere along the line, I went in the opposite direction or stopped stop short of the call only to get caught up in a storm of my very own. See, it becomes personal, at least in my mind, when, I, when my ways or I try to allow my ways, my feelings, and my wants to outrank God's will and his clear directive. God said, Oh, you want to run, do you? Okay, I got something for you. And like Jonah, that he did give. Yeah. I'm not going to take up much of your time this morning, so let me just give you a couple of points concerning a life on the run that I hope will help change your course and reconnect your purpose. Because there are some people around here who kind of want to run from their purpose, so I thought I would give you a little help today. If there are any runners in the house and you know who you are, this one is for you. So my first point is this, again, for you all taking notes, God's got connections. All right, all right, all right, it's, all right. it's funny to me that the heading of Jonah, chapter one, is called running away from God as if there is such a thing. See, God knew exactly where Jonah was and where he was going. All right. We think we are so smart, but in our foolish reasoning, we forget that God is already there, wherever there is. We are, not, we are not just talking in the physical sense because before you thought it, he already knew it. And if somehow you think God is slow on the uptake, if you even considered it, you already gave him the roadmap. I am sure many people have asked, What was Jonah thinking? And in my life, what was I thinking? And if you're in the process of thinking about running, what are you thinking? God's got connections. See, he is connected to everything he created. See, verse 1 and 2 says this for those following in your Bibles. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah, a Amittai's son. So that's a specific person. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They are in a bad way, and I cannot ignore it any longer. So if we jump down to verse number 4, It says God sent a huge storm at the sea, and the waves were towering so much that the ship was about to break in pieces. See, what this tells me is that God was not aiming at all the bodies of water in the vicinity hoping to get to Jonah. He sent a specific storm to a specific sea with a specific set of consequences for a specific person. The Bible says in Psalm 139, is there any place I can go to avoid your Spirit?" To be out of your sight. If I climb up to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. Why is that? Because you're already there waiting. God's got connections. See, sometimes we get a little fed up with God and what he has asked us to do, right? Don't we? What we find in the text is that Jonah did not see the Ninevites as human beings needing mercy and grace. He saw them as enemies deserving punishment, for him running was personal. But before we jump all down Jonah's throat, let's examine what he was asked or called to do In but in more modern times. It would be the same as asking a Jewish person to go over to the Nazis' camp and preach the good news of God. It would be the same as asking a member of the Bloods gang to go over and preach to a crip. Oh, oh, oh. It would be the same as asking a Ukrainian to venture over to Russia to break the bread of life. And last, it would be the same as asking any one of you to seek out and offer peace to your enemies as well. I know we all Christians up in here. Let me let me. Let me look. Let me look. All right. Okay. I, I think I think we got a full house. <laughs> and, and you might not want to hear this, but if we tell the truth, most people in this world want their enemies to die rather than be the one to feed them life. Where are you going, Jonah, in the midst of a raging sea? See, it doesn't matter if God threw or tossed the storm uh, like a major league baseball pitcher or commanded the elements like the boss that he is. But the result is still a raging sea of consequential proportion. Now, I know we like to say monumental proportion, but even in God's loving kindness and compassion towards us, the fact of the matter is that the conse- there are consequences associated with running away from God. Let's understand this, that if it's a storm is what it takes, then a storm it will be. If a storm is the method to cause you to come back into your calling onto the right path and and, 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 just, and back towards your destiny, then a storm it will be. Every storm has its value and every storm has a purpose. God wants to wants you to take your calling to heart so much so that He will orchestrate, arrange, or reassign or realign the character of nature itself, if that's what it takes. To God, it's personal. You were chosen and called to reveal him in his glory and in his fullness. You were called to bless the nations one gift, one talent, and one calling at a time. For personal reasons, Jonah ran. But what I have discovered is this. When a personal God gives you a personal assignment, he takes it personal when you do not follow through. He takes it personal when you run, especially when lives are hanging in the balance. Lest we forget, at one point, you also were an enemy, but God in his mercy sent someone to help rescue you too. God's got connections. See, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm moving along. My second point for today is this. There is always a cost. Did you notice in the text that there is a progressiveness to the storm? The sea became increasingly violent the longer Jonah was disobedient. So so that goes for all of you all who are out of line with God and stuff just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And you can't figure out why. The longer he stayed on the ship, the worse the storm got. The Bible says in verse number 11 that the storm was totally out of control. But by the time we get down to verse 13, the storm got worse and worse. It was wild and raging. Now, how violent does the storm need to become in your life before you realize God wants you to change course? What's worse is that your disobedience can affect the lives of those around you. The Bible says that the sailors were really frightened. The ship was about to break in pieces. The waves were towering, and the men who knew the sea intimately called it a disaster. They knew it was no ordinary storm, and they drew straws to identify the culprit. But now, wanting to save Jonah, however, Heroically, the men tried rowing back to shore. But did you notice they made no headway? And the storm became even worse? I want you all to listen carefully because sometimes you cannot save people who walk freely in disobedience. God's trying to tell them something and like the sailors, you might be trying to save them from the lesson they need to learn. There is always a cost involved. See, here's what I believe Jonah needed to learn. He needed to learn that regardless to what it would cost him personally, regardless to his feelings, and regardless to his wants, the good news of God is always worth sharing. He also needed to learn that God always provides for the cost and the call. He needed to learn that when it comes to souls being saved, his personal problem with God's assignment does not deter God's providential provisions. He says, get up and go. There are some people in a bad way, and I cannot ignore it any longer. They need a savior, and what I want you to do is introduce me. You're my mouthpiece. You're my icebreaker. You're my wingman or my wingwoman. Go to this perverse and wicked generation and tell them all about me. The message back then is the same message today. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, Through us, through us, God brings the knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way to salvation. It's an aroma redolent or or perfumed with life. But now to the others who are on their way to destruction, it's like we are a rotting corpse to them. It goes on to say, this is a terrific responsibility. Is anyone competent to take it on? No, not really. But, we, what, what, but here's what we don't do. We don't take God's word, water it down, and then take it to the streets and sell it cheap. He said we stand in Christ's presence when we speak. God looks us in the face. We get what we say straight from God and say it as honestly as we can. Because you see, the cost of disobedience is that people remain lost. The world continues to hurt. There is no truth and there certainly is no light. So before you give up on God and his assignment for your life, realize that the world will not change without you. For those of you who have answered the call and are working your assignments, keep doing what you do. You are those endowed with the spirit of Isaiah 6 and 8 that says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom Please shall I send up. and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Here I am. Send me. Hey, all right. All right. Come on. It's, 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 it's your time. It's come on. And drink. Hot in here. It's yes. you. <laughs> I got my own servant this morning. Praise him. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You say that, say that. So, look, and look and here's my next part, and let me conclude with this. <laughs> Through obedience and the word of God, we can turn around a wicked nation, a wicked world, a wicked neighborhood, and even if it's in your house, a wicked house. Okay, God can do amazing things when we obey and when the people believe. Yet how many times have we slapped God's hands, disapproved of his choices, turned our backs on him, or do him like we do to kids and say, ah, ah, God, or no, God, no. Okay. Okay. Okay, all right. How many times do we clap back at God, rebuke his will, and attempt to change God's minds with tantrums, defiance, and disobedience? How many times have we shook our finger at God to show our disapproval as if he is a toddler and not the triumphant king? This was Jonah's dilemma, and some would say his downfall. Did you say he went down? He went down. Jonah not only had a disobedience problem, but he was angry, he had an attitude, and was in some kind of funk. Y'all ever seen people in a funk? Okay, that, that was Jonah. And we are just scratching the surface because in jo- Jonah was out of bounds, especially in chapters three and four. So I invite you to go back and read it. Yet and still, we have got to understand that God is not moved by neither your tears nor your fears. He is moved more so by compassion and by his own loving kindness. Like Jonah in chapter three, maybe we think God would change his mind because we would. We certainly would. Or like in chapter 4, the Bible says that Jonah basically forgot himself. It says he was furious. He lost his temper. Jonah even yelled at God. Y'all did it too. Stop, y'all stop laughing at Jonah. Y'all did it too. He said, God, I knew it. And this is my sassy little, okay, that's me. God, I knew it when I was back home. I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love and ready to drop at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. He said, that's why I want to go. Then God asked him a question, which he had the audacity not to answer. God said, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. And what happens next is not only poetic, but it is absolutely beautiful because even with this type of attitude, even in his sulk, even in his funk, even in his anger, and even in his despondent state, God still blessed him and covered him. Which brings me to my next question. Do we have the wrong idea about God? While Jonah was behaving this way, God arranged for a leaf to spring up and grow over Jonah to cool him off and to get him out of his angry soul. But let me tell y'all something. Jonah better be glad I wasn't God. Okay? You just yelled at me. You pointed your little finger at me. You was rude to me and in the middle of a toddler tantrum. Oh, okay. All right, if that's what we're doing. I got something for you and y'all know back then all they did was have trees and all that kind of stuff there'd have been a lot of switches for Jonah. <laughs> Andy got and to go get his own switch. There you go. Y'all remember that, right? <laughs> but 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 this, but but if you really look at it, this is evidence of love. That as human beings, we often don't quite understand. We need to reexamine what love is and what love does. What is your idea of love when it comes to God? Because what I've learned over the years is that he can take your anger. He can take your sulking. He can take every emotion you throw at him simply because he is love and he acts accordingly. There are times that we have a knack for allowing our personal feelings, our ways, and our wants to interfere with God's plans. But instead of having a Jonah moment, perhaps we need to just do it God's way because in reality, this is what God wants. God wants his people to provide mercy rather than wrath. God wants us to spread his love beyond our borders. God wants us to help others repent and respond to his invitation. And he expects us to bless the world through our relationship with him. Jonah said this about God, but this time I'm going to give it out of the new life version. He said, for I knew that you are a kind and loving God who shows pity. I knew that you are slow to anger and filled with loving kindness, always ready to change your mind and not punish but even though our lives, our behavior, and our disobedience often deserves punishment, God chooses forgiveness and loving kindness instead. We learned that God is connected with everything he created and that, that he, he will use that connection for the better. We also learned that there is always a cost which God happily and joyfully covered with a cross. You may ask why God would do that for each and every one of you. And the answer is, and make no mistake about it, because for our God, it is personal. I know y'all want more, but amen. (laughs) Amen, amen, and amen.